Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Sin will push the presence of the Holy Spirit away. For those that grieve the Spirit, God's Spirit can depart. That's why David prayed, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because he saw what happened in the life of Saul when the Holy Spirit was lifted out of his life. When God is not with us, our AIs become insurmountables. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Do we truly understand the ramifications of our sin? As Pastor Ed shares in his message, many biblical figures found that sin pushed the Holy Spirit away. Just as Saul and Joshua experienced this situation, we should be wary of trying to go forward in our lives without the blessing and presence of God. Sins that we try to hide will be a stumbling block in our growing relationship with Christ and must be repented of to have the most productive and open communication with our Heavenly Father. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith Are there things that belong to God that you're holding back from Him? Now, some of the most difficult chapters in the Scripture, and this is one of them, because when you read it, You have to search your heart. You can't study this chapter without coming before God and feeling broken. It searches you. And as you read and as you study, you begin to ask yourself, Lord, are there areas that I am keeping back that which belongs to you? The Bible says that we're bought with a price not silver or gold, with the precious blood of Jesus. When you came to an old-fashioned altar and you said, Jesus, be the Lord of your life, that meant at that very point you were saying, God, my life belongs to you. So if we go out and live like God has not our Lord and Master, how can we call him Lord? What do we do with the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has given us? Let me ask you a more personal question. What do you do with the tithes? It belongs to the Lord. Well, I'll I'll use my tithes because I want to buy Christian literature and hand it out. Well, buying Christian literature is a wonderful thing, and do it. But your tithe belongs in the storehouse. Hear me. Don't take that which belongs to the Lord and use it for yourself. Here, Achan took what belonged to God, and he kept it. And it's far more than just our tithes. But what happens is men and women, when sin gets into their character, the character of sin is it will make you unfaithful. You will be unfaithful to church. You'll be unfaithful to Christ. You'll be unfaithful to the body of Christ. That's one of the characteristics of sin. It's the opposite of faith, which issues itself in faithfulness. Notice something else. Whenever you find sin, it's synonymous with darkness. 
When we think of righteousness or godliness, we think of light. God is, is light, and in him there's no darkness. What does it say three times in verses 20 to 22? It says, as I read the text, he hid it, he hid it, he hid it. Uh, find that hidden thing. Where did you hide it? You know what sin will make you do? It'll make you hide. Oh. Uh, now, I could imagine him rationalizing it. He said, you know, I've worked hard. I've done this. I've done that. I deserve a break today. And so every day he has the gold there, and he has the silver, and he has a garment. Uh, maybe some of the family has gone out, and he takes that garment, and he looks at it. Why, this will look good on me. And he, he takes the gold. Boy, I'll be set up here. And, and, but he hides it. You know, sin will make you hide things from God and from others. When a person lives faithfully to God, they live open and transparent. Sin makes us secretive. Hide it from your wife. Hide it from your husband. Hide it from your parents. Hide it from your children. Is there something that you're hiding? Is there some area of your life that you have a, a closet door and you shut it and you've locked it? Achan hid. But you know what God does with that which is hid? He exposes. Achan hid it. God exposed it. Achan hid it from others. God revealed it. Are there sins? Are there the seeds of sin in your heart? that left unchecked, unreproved, not dealt with, that have the potential to grow into literally monsters that will choke the word of God in your life. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Paul the apostle said, when you come to the table of the Lord, when you come to the communion table, you're to do something. You're to come to God and, and you're to judge yourself. If God judges you, it's too late. It's far better to humble yourself before God than to be humbled by God. Just picture with me the awesomeness of that day. Here's the tribes that go before Joshua. Joshua had time to confess. I'm sure the Holy Spirit was dealing with him. I'm sure the Holy Spirit was working in his heart. There Joshua is and they pick his tribe, then they pick his clan, then his family. All of that time he could have stepped forward and said, I've taken the devoted thing, I've done wrong. But oftentimes what happens is we try to hide instead of bringing it forth and saying, God, search me, cleanse me, see if there be any wicked way in me. You can't hide your sins from God. And if you do, you're not going to prosper. Confess and forsake. Turn to God. Oh, he'll graciously forgive you. Uh, but you only make matters worse. Remember a while back, they had the television advertisement, Amnesty in New York, if you've done wrong with taxes in the past. But they say, after a certain day, that's too late. God gives us a period of time and says, come, come. I want to read you a quote by F.B. Meyer. If we but carefully investigated the causes of our defeats, they would be only second 
to victories in their blessed results on our character and lives. You need to be able to go back and look at your life and say, listen, if there's an area of defeat, why? Why? And examine your heart. Come before God. And God will graciously help. Had Joshua just prayed right at the victory, they wouldn't have had to suffer a defeated eye. Well, second point. The consequence of sin. The chapter begins and it ends with something. God's anger. God's wrath. His anger is burning. Do you think he would judge Jericho for sin and not judge sin in his own people? Listen, if you think that you can do what the world does, you're only fooling yourself. Joshua, at the very beginning, he didn't know what happened, but we're let in on the secret because it says that God's anger burned. Verse 1, verse 26, God's anger ceased to uh, be poured out upon them because they repented because sin was dealt with. God is angry. We have to understand that God is angry with sin. This chapter frightens us. I was talking to someone who preached on this text. And as I had a conversation with them, uh, I felt that, boy, they were trying to avoid the reality of the text. See, the problem is we don't understand the holiness of God. We want to bathe in the mercy of God, and we should. And we want to drink of the cup of grace of God, and we should. But not at the expense of the holiness of God. We must keep before us that God will judge sin in Israel when he finds it there. That God will show mercy in Jericho when he finds a repentant heart. There's a contrast drawn for us in these chapters. God shows mercy to Rahab the harlot who repents. God shows judgment to Achan the Israelite who holds and hides and harbors onto sin. What did it bring them? It brought them defeat. Sin will always bring you defeat. Joshua wrongly looked at God for the cause of the defeat. He somehow attributed it to his sovereignty in his prayer. But it was not God. It was the Israelites' sin. Had they not sinned, God's blessing would have been upon them and victory would have been theirs. Not only defeat, but death. You look at Israel stoned him and his family, and it says they burned them. God's burning anger in chapter 1, and God's burning judgment. The wrath of God, it's real. And someday it will be poured out upon this earth. Someday God's judgment will come upon this world. There's another consequence that I noticed in the text, the loss of God's presence. Verse 12. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs, they run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore. Wow! I will not be with you anymore. Do you remember Joshua chapter 1? Joshua hears the word from God. Joshua, I'm going to be with you as I was with Moses. Do you hear what the people said in Joshua chapter 1? They said, Joshua, we want God to be with you as he was with Moses. And God is God's with them. 
But here God says, I'm not going to be with you now. Sin will push the presence of the Holy Spirit away. For those that grieve the Spirit, God's Spirit can depart. That's why David prayed, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because he saw what happened in the life of Saul when the Holy Spirit was lifted out of his life. When God is not with us, our AIs become insurmountables. Our eyes become insurmountable. Uh, this city was small. 12,000 people inhabited that city. That's all. I mean, it was nothing compared to Jericho. Now, they had thought about Jericho. They defeated an incredibly fortified city. And so when they looked and they sent out the spies to, serve, to survey I, they said, no problem. 3,000, we don't have to send all the people. It'll be a snap. Even the smallest temptations, the smallest trials, the smallest difficulties will defeat you if God's not with you. The Israelites were on the crest of victory. They had an attitude, boy, we've just conquered the enemy. They were riding the crest of the waves as they went from victory to victory, as the Jordan parted for them, as Jericho fell down and they won Jericho. I think they forgot that victories are God's gift to us, not the accomplishment of our own strength. At times, we look at the victories and we somehow become proud and puffed up and think, boy, look what we've done. We're doing all right. No. Without him, we can do. What was that? That's right. Nothing. The power that had been present at Jericho was no longer present with them at I, and they couldn't win. It's God's presence that secures our victory. Lastly and finally, the casualties of sin. Oh, it's strewn all over chapter 7. Individually, Achan lost everything he would have had. He not only lost the silver and the gold and the Babylonian garment that he had, he lost his life. Sin erodes character. It evaporates virtue. It destroys the good that is in us. And in Achan's life, sin had its way. It grew deeper and deeper and had more and more a hold of him when he could have repented, when he could have come forward, when he could have stepped and said, I've done this, I've wronged. He took God's possessions and he somehow rationalized as we so well do. He rationalized his actions and justified his actions and explained away his deeds. God didn't let him get away with it. The casualties of sin. Notice that the Bible text says Israel has sinned. Israel has sinned. In verses 1 to 5, uh, the Israelites go up and 36 lives are lost. Now, it gives an indication to me that perhaps when they fought Jericho, no lives were lost. No casualties were lost. But here, 36 lives are lost. Sin not only 
impacts us individually. It always impacts the community. The church is connected. The body of Christ is intricately connected. And our sin impacts others. Innocent people lost their lives. I think about the 80s and the 90s when prominent Christian leaders fell into deep immorality. Men who won thousands and thousands to Christ fell and the repercussions were felt throughout the Christian world. I wonder what the casualty was of weak Christians who had their eyes on these men. I wonder how many backsliders we have now because people would have thought, well, if they can't do it, I can't. Sin always has repercussions. It's like throwing a boulder into a pond. I remember one day after a Sunday morning service, a dear sister who was used in another church, another town, another place, another time, came up to me and said, Pastor, I had a vision. And I saw you carrying two large trees that had been felled, one on each shoulder. And I saw sheep that were around you. And they weren't your sheep, they were another flock. And she began to tell me other things in this vision. And I pondered it and prayed. I went home, and there was a telephone call. A church that I was responsible for overseeing as presbyter, had a major crisis. Please come, Pastor Jones. The pastor had been involved in immorality, had an affair with several women in the church. And that Sunday morning, a jealous husband came and mocked the pastor in the Sunday morning service. The scene was so horrific that the state police were called in. And I remember ministering to the pastor and ministering to the families that were involved. And they were so broken. It reached into the whole congregation. Sin cost. What will your sin cost those around you? Ask yourself that question. What will your sin cost me? Children, who never know and never learn responsibility in spending money. Just use the credit card. Never discipline themselves. They constantly cost their parents, constantly coming for more and more and more. Parents who live in moral lives and who use the D word on a regular basis, divorce, create an atmosphere of insecurity in homes, where children don't know where they'll live tomorrow or what will happen to them. What will your sin cost us? I don't think Achan would have ever thought that sin would cost Joshua or the elders of the congregation. There Joshua is, the man of courage, the man of faith, the leader. Listen to his prayer. Oh, God, what are you doing to us? Down on his face in the ground. Helders with him. It affected the leadership. Not only does sin in leadership affect a congregation, but sin in a congregation impacts the leadership. 
You can't get away with it. What you sow, it grows and you reap. Some of you, and over the years, some people I've known, when they should have enjoyed a retirement years, they were raising their grandchildren because their own children lived loose and irresponsible lives. It affected disaster in that community, discouragement in Joshua. That text that I read earlier, their hearts melted were like water. Three times in the earlier chapters, it says, the, or four times rather, it says the hearts of the inhabitants of the land melted. The hearts of the inhabitants of the land melted. How quickly the tables turn. How quickly the Israelites who were confident. That tells me something. The victories of yesterday are no guarantee of victories tomorrow. Now, we should and we can build on the successes of the past, but it's no guarantee that you're going to triumph tomorrow. Had Joshua, on the high crest of victory, fallen to his knees and prayed, I believe that God would have revealed to him, don't go up against I. There's sin in the camp. The enemy strategically knows when to tempt and to test and to try us. Often it's right after a tremendous victory. Often it's right after a great triumph. When God has used you greatly or worked through you greatly or done some miraculous thing. After that, the best thing to do is to find a place and humbly kneel and ask God to secure you. The enemy attacks right after a victory, right after a triumph. We need to be wise to know the wiles of our adversary and how he works. I think about the tragedy to his family. I've seen families pulled apart, wrecked by sin. And let me just say, all of us are sinners. All of us can look back and say, you know, I would have done this, that. Thank God for God's grace. We can't go to the past, but we can go from here on. Okay? We can go today and tomorrow and tomorrow's tomorrow. We can walk with a sense of responsibility towards God. See, when everything is in order in your life, you're able to march. When everything is in order in your own house, you're able to march. When everything is in order in the church, you're able to march. When everything is in order in your business, you're able to march. You're able to go forward. You're able to believe. You're able to see God work. As I bring this message to a close, think about the high cost of sin. Parents, your sin will cost, and you keep on paying. Children, you don't sow your wild oats and leave it behind. You keep on reaping. But I'm thankful for Corinthians 11.31, but if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Are there seeds of sin growing in your heart? Are there things and inclinations that are in the wrong direction? Right now, nip it in the bud. Right now, 
and let's come before God. Joshua is one of the most mighty warriors in all of the Bible. From the spies who were hidden by Rahab to the story of the walls of Jericho, throughout this book of Joshua, Pastor Ed will continue to point us to the Lord, sharing with us wonderful insights each time he teaches. Though Joshua isn't a book many study, it is rich with content that we apply to our daily lives as we walk with Jesus. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com to spend some time getting to know us and to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Joshua. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.